0: Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy!
1: Richard Diamond, private detective.
2: Hello there, this is Diamond. You know, I like to say that. Hello there, this is Diamond. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I say it all the time. Hello there, this is Diamond. You know, I think it sounds kind of well pretty bad. Of course, I'd rather say, hello there, this is I've got a sponsor, Diamond, but that's silly, too, because if I had a sponsor, I wouldn't have time to say, hello there, this is Diamond. I'd be overshining his shoes. Confused? Well, so am I. Want to get really mixed up? Let me tell you what happened last week. This is real silly. So silly, it wound up with murder. I was sitting in my office thinking about June Allison when the phone rang. Diamond Detective Agency, no other corpse can make that statement.
3: Oh, Rick.
2: Don't believe it? Just listen to what one of our satisfied customers has to say about Diamond. I've been buried now in 30
3: years. Rick. Hello, (laughs) Helen. You idiot. What are you doing?
2: I know this will throw you. Nothing.
3: No washing today?
2: Finished an hour ago. Oh, uh, by the way, I got a beef. A beef? Yeah, those socks you knitted for me shrunk so much I need four more pairs.
3: Well, if they shrunk, what do you want with four more pairs?
2: Going to start a new fad. Going to wear them on my toes, you know, toe socks.
3: Well, if I knit you four pairs, that'll only give you ten altogether.
2: <laughs> oh, George, you really pulled off a speedy, didn't you?
3: Well, howdy. <laughs> Wasn't half as bad as some of those ghastlies you come up with.
2: All right, Smarty, now, what's on your real mind?
3: Want you to do me a favor?
2: Like, for instance?
3: No, for instance. I told you a friend of mine would come up and see you, and I want you to do what you can for him.
4: Mr. Diamond?
2: Uh, hold it a minute, honey. Yeah? Mr. Diamond, I was
4: told to look you up. I am Renee. Rick? What is it? Helen.
3: Yeah, what's the matter?
2: Something just tiptoed into my office. I got a hunch you know about it.
3: Oh, maybe that's Renee.
2: That's
4: what it says. If you are, Mr. Diamond, I wish you'd please pay a little attention to me, or aren't you interested in a potential client? Uh, hold it a second, honey. Uh, uh,
2: sure, I'm always interested in a potential client. What did you do? Lose your wedges? I beg your pardon? Forget it. I've got Miss Asher on the phone now. She just told me you were coming up.
4: Oh, well, please say hello to Miss Asher. She's such a darling.
2: Yeah. Uh, honey, Renee says to say hello. Says you're a darling.
3: Oh, well, say hello to Renee. He makes my hats for
2: me. I'll get the story from him. Call you later. Now, uh, uh Mr. Renee. The
4: full name is Benet. Rene Benet.
2: How do you do? How are you, Mr.
4: Benet? Mr. Diamond, I have a problem, and Miss Asher seemed to think that you could help me with it. Well, depends. Cigarette? No, thanks. I never use them. Depends on what? You don't even know my problem yet.
2: Look, I don't care if you swipe John Frederick's toupee. For $100 a day in expenses, I'll grow a mattress on his skull.
4: Mr. Diamond, I can see that you don't know much about hats. You are so wrong. But am I? Well, it may interest you to know that John Fredericks are two people, Mr. John and Mr. Fredericks. Look, uh, Mr. Benet, I don't care if they're patrol number
2: three of the brownies. Can you afford a hundred a day in expenses?
4: Mr. Diamond, I am the new sensation in hats.
2: You must look lovely. Okay, Mr. Benet, I take it you can afford me. Now, what's your problem?
4: I want you to prevent the theft of my three latest creations. Hats? Creations, Mr. Diamond. Okay, Creations. Why do you want to protect him? Why, because someone is going to steal them before my false showing. How do you know that? Because on similar occasions the same thing has happened. Twice to be exact, the designs were stolen, and two weeks later that low-life Charles son, had his showing, and my hats were the high point of his show. What did you do? What could I do? I couldn't prove it. If I attempted to expose him, he would have said that I was lying. Everybody knows how much we hate each other. I'd have been a laughingstock.
2: Do you think he had the hats stolen?
4: I'm sure of it. And I'm also sure that someone in my salon is responsible for the actual theft.
2: You know definitely?
4: No. No, but I suspect my partner, Gerald Winters, he's always been jealous of my ability. Oh, Mr. Diamond, couldn't you open a window or something? It's frightfully hot. Oh, uh, it's, uh,
2: it's the air conditioning. I keep a bag of red lip jumbos up in the vent. Sometimes they get stuck. red lip jumbos? Pistachio nuts. You like hats? I get hung up
4: on pistachio nuts.
2: Perhaps you should see a psychiatrist. I did. What happened? I sent him five pounds of pistachios just yesterday.
4: Oh. Oh, well, here's my card. I'll see you at my salon, Mr. Diamond, in about an hour. Oh. Oh, and something else. I don't want my partner or the help to know that you're a private detective.
2: What am I supposed to do? Buy a hat?
4: Well, I'll, I'll tell them that you're a designer from Hollywood. That way, whatever you say will be all right. See you in an hour.
5: Shaw of Hollywood is coming here to look at our new lines.
4: That's correct, Lillian.
1: Never heard of him.
4: Well, that's not so surprising, Gerald. There are a lot of people I'm sure you've never heard of, especially the more famous ones.
1: I don't like that. Oh, don't you?
4: Well, I'm overjoyed that you're sure of one thing at least. Now, don't you
5: two start fighting again. I've never
1: heard of this Reshar of Hollywood either.
4: Well, he's a he's a new man. Works for the studios. Has made quite a sensation the last year or so. Well, I'm
1: sick and tired of temperamental artists. I'm going back to my office.
4: Well, why don't you do that, Gerald? Keep the books in the black, dear Potter. While I work to pay for your salary.
1: You know, Rennie, someday I'm going to strangle you with one of your own hats.
4: Why don't you buy yourself a barbell instead? Then the next time you get into a bathing suit, there'll be no doubt that you have muscles. Office oh, boy. How can you two continue like this? It's frightful. Lillian, my love, I would rather join forces with a cobra than to keep on with Gerald, but he has an iron-bound contract that assures of him of at least 50,000 a year. I'm helpless. Yes, come in. Oh, Mr... <clears throat> I mean, uh, Richard, come in, come in.
2: Uh, thanks, thanks. you better go out and pour some water on your partner. I just ran into him.
4: Gerald, what do you mean?
2: Well, I was looking for you, and he came up and introduced himself. You told him your name? Told him I was a hat designer from Hollywood, so he pointed out your office and said something about my lily white hands. And what happened? I didn't like the remarks, so I shoved one of them down his throat.
4: <laughs> oh, wonderful. This I'll
5: have to see.
2: I put a feather in his mouth. He can't miss him.
4: Uh, Rene, uh, don't you think... Oh, oh, oh why, I'm sorry. <laughs> stupid of I me. Mean, Lillian, this is uh, Richard of Hollywood. What? Oh, 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 yeah.
5: Is something wrong?
4: Oh, no, no, no. How do you do? Uh, This is Lillian Richmond, my junior designer and chief model. Now, you two think of something clever to talk about. I want to see Gerald. Bloody nose, feather and all. Cigarette? You
5: look nervous. Oh, thanks. So, Gerald was the victim of uh, a collision? Uh, Yes. Do your friends call you Richard? Well, it
2: depends on how friendly they get. Then sometimes they come up with some real hair curlers. What do your friends call you?
5: I prefer Lillian, but sometimes they call me Lil. Well,
2: Lil sounds more interesting.
5: That's when they call me Lil, when things get interesting. You don't act much like a hat designer, Richard. More like you should be playing football.
2: Oh, well, I, uh, I started by designing helmets for Notre Dame.
5: I understand you work for the movies. You with any particular studio?
2: Hmm? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, with an independent company. Real Square Productions. We make training films.
4: Training films? (laughs) Oh, that was simply wonderful. I had to pour a vase of water on him. Several customers were so frightened, they left, but it was worth it. and and how are you two getting along?
5: Uh, Richard was just talking about football. He was explaining the merits of a short pass.
4: Oh. Well, if you don't mind, Lillian, Mr... Uh, uh, Richard and I have some business to talk over.
5: Not at all. Get him to tell you how he started by making helmets. Maybe you'll get some new ideas, Renee. Helmets?
4: Oh, my goodness.
5: See you later, Richard.
4: I'll wear my muzzle. Isn't she lovely? She has about as much conscience as a tiger in a chicken coop.
2: Okay, now, uh, now what about our business? Oh, of
4: course. Now, here's a retainer. I trust that 500 is enough to start on.
2: My landlord will think so. What do I do?
4: Well, I've told everyone that you're going to be with us until the fall showing. You want to see how I work, perhaps take some designs back to Hollywood with you. Now, all you really have to do is to get to know the people that work for me. Now, be here from nine in the morning to six at night and keep those designs from being stolen.
2: Oh, by the way, where are the designs?
4: They're uh, in my safe here. Tomorrow they go to the designing rooms, and that's when the situation becomes acute. We'll have nothing to worry about until tomorrow, so I'll see you tomorrow in the morning at 9, Mr. Diamond. Okay. Oh, uh, in case
2: you need me, here's my card. I'll write my home number on it. For some reason, when I get a client, they always run into silly little things like murder or something. You just might need me. See you in the morning. I left Renee and headed for my apartment. I had suddenly found myself in the horrible position of a man with a steady job. Nine in the morning until six in the evening. Now, I'm a guy who can get along without too much sleep, especially when the situation calls for it. Like the little blonde dancer that works over on 52nd Street. There was a the situation. But this time, I figured a good night's rest wouldn't do me any harm, so when I got home, I fixed a bite to eat, took a hot shower, and climbed into my little old sack) Diamond? Oh, hello, honey. Now, you stop that. Wake up. Hm? Huh? Oh, no, no. Who is it? It's Lieutenant Levinson. Oh, a well, bully for you. What time is it? It's 4.30 in the morning. Goodbye, Walt. Now, you wait a minute. I'm just trying to make things easy on you. And what was that hello, honey for? Oh, I was dreaming. What do you mean, make things easy for me? At 4.30 in the morning, nothing's easy. I wanted to let you get here under your own steam. I know what a shock it would be if I sent Otis down there to drag you out of bed. Oh, yeah. Horrible. At all they'd ate the fire, the Dracula was loose again. Hey, what do you want me there for? Well, I know you won't be surprised, but there's been a ridder killing. killing. Well, so what? So you're mixed up in it. Now get down here. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's dead? A guy named Benet, auto accent. René Benet? Yeah, I guess that's the way you pronounce it. You see, Otis, your mallet head, you were wrong. It's pronounced Benet, not Benny. That idiot was calling him Rennie Benny. Walton, how did you know I was working for Benet? Your card was found in his pocket. I'm at 125th Street, so come on up as fast as you can. Well, as soon as I get my football helmet off. Football helmet? You sleep in a football helmet? Well, I do. Don't you? Bye. I left the apartment and took off the address Walt had given me. It was way uptown on Riverside Drive. It was cold and the fog had begun to drift in. I found Walt over near the prowl car and he briefed me. Rene Benet had been killed in an automobile accident. His car had crashed over a hundred foot viaduct. He went through the guardrail up there, Rick. Oh, wonder what he was doing way up here. Certainly wasn't headed home. Maybe he was going to see someone. Oh, maybe. Better check and see if he knew anyone out this way. Now, you wait a minute. You think something's wrong? Could be, huh? He had a partner who might want him out of the way. Oh, it's a mess, isn't it? Yeah, pretty badly burned before the fireboys got here. Wait a minute. Otis is over there with him. Otis! Probably warming his feet. He couldn't warm those big things on an atom bomb. Otis! Yeah, Lieutenant?
6: Yeah, Lieutenant,
2: yeah, Lieutenant. Did you find anything?
6: Yeah, there's been a fire. Oh.
2: Get over here. Walt, what about that card you found in his pocket? Why didn't it get burned? It was in one of his suits over at his apartment. I put in a call, checked his license plate, found out who he was, where he lived, and sent a couple of boys over. They came up with your card. You know how they all love you. Mm. Anything else in the apartment? Nothing yet. We'll get a report. Uh, here I am, Lieutenant. He's getting smart. Oh, hello, Shamus. Otis, get the car started. We'll go back to the station and wait for a report about this accident. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, lieutenant... No! No? That's right. You touch that siren and I'll throw
7: you out of the car. Oh, guy can't have any fun anymore. <laughs>
2: i going to get that report at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, I know it's 6.30. I always yawn like this when it's 6.30. Oh, maybe this is it. Yeah? Uh, I
7: got that report, Lieutenant.
2: Take the marbles out of your mouth. What did you say?
7: Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a little sleepy.
2: Maybe you'd like me to sing you a lullaby.
7: Oh, that'd be silly. Well, then make sense. Uh, I got that report. Uh, Benny, uh...
2: Benny.
7: Okay. Uh, he died from the fire. Autopsy showed he had a slight concussion, but not serious enough to kill him.
2: And what about the car?
7: It wasn't tampered with. There was something funny, though. A steering wheel was smeared like someone had been wearing gloves. No prints. Uh, Benny didn't have on any gloves.
1: How'd the fire
2: start?
7: A cigarette in the upholstery. Oh, a cigarette in the upholstery.
2: Okay, Otis, I'll call you if I need you. Go on back to sleep. Did you hear? Yeah. Benet was murdered. What makes you so sure? Walt... Oda said he had a slight concussion, but not enough to kill him, right? Okay. You're going to tell me that he was unconscious the whole time it took that fire to start? Ordinarily, a cigarette smolders a long time. Then why didn't he get out of the car? Because he didn't have time to wake up. Someone helped that fire along, got it burning in a few minutes, and then pushed the car over the viaduct. Ah, that isn't enough. Okay, how's this then? Benet didn't smoke. Now, that I'll buy. But how do you know? He told me. I offered him a cigarette in my office this morning. Well, who do you think did it? Well, I know he had two enemies: his partner, Gerald Winters, and another hat designer, George Marchand. I'll have them picked up. No, no, no. Let them alone for a while. Huh? Let's have some breakfast first, and then go down to Rene's salon when it opens. Quite a store.
5: Yes. Oh, oh, good morning. How's Richard from Hollywood?
2: From hunger. Richard from Hollywood? (laughs) All right, Oh, I wish Olis was here.
6: He'd love this.
2: Well, whose side are you on? Now, Walt, this is Lil, uh, Lillian Richmond, Walt. Lillian, this is Lieutenant Levinson. Lieutenant? Homicide.
5: Oh, well, I hope he's just in to buy a hat for his wife.
2: I'm not married, Miss Richmond.
5: Well, to buy a hat.
2: Lillian, I just called Rennie's apartment to... Oh, what do you want? Walt, this is Gerald Winters. Who split his lip? He ran into a fist. Where were you between three and four o'clock this morning, Mr. Winters? What do you want to know for?
5: Uh, Gerald, this is a lieutenant from Homicide. I think maybe something's happened.
1: What could have happened? I was in bed from 11 o'clock till late. Besides, what's a policeman doing with the great Richard from Hollywood? Did someone see one of his creations and strangle to death?
2: Where were you around four this morning, Lillian?
1: Also in
5: bed, but I can't prove it. Why?
2: Bernay's been killed. What? You don't seem too upset, Mr. Winters. No? Well, you're right. As a matter of fact, I'm not.
5: How did it happen?
2: Car went over the viaduct. Burned to death. Well,
5: then why ask us where we were? It was an accident, wasn't it?
2: No, it was not an accident. Mr. Winters, what happens to you now? You take over the firm? Well, yes. It, it all goes to me. I think you'd better come down to the station. Answer a few questions. Oh, no, no
1: you don't... Well, this is absurd. I... I hated Rene, but I'd never
2: kill him. Rick, do me a favor and go over to this, uh, George Marchand. Talk to him until I can send Otis down to pick Uh, him up.
1: You, you aren't a hat designer, are you?
2: Bingo. You win another split lip. No, no, no. Lay off him, Rick. Come on, Mr. Winters. Let's go.
1: I knew he wasn't. I just knew that man couldn't be famous in Hollywood or anywhere else. Well? Mm Mm-hmm.
5: Police?
2: Private detective. The name's Diamond.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
5: Did you ever play football? Yeah. Stop back after you see Marchand. I'd like to find out more about the game.
2: Strong line and a good backfield. You've played it.
8: Good morning, good morning, good morning. What can
2: I do for you? George Marchand? Yes. Well, I'm from the police, Mr. Marchand. The police? Your competitor, René Benet, was killed last night. What? He was burned to death in his car.
6: Oh, but this is horrible, horrible. But what has René's death to do with me?
2: Well, we think he was murdered and we're trying to find a good motive.
6: Mr. Diamond, it's true that René and I were enemies. Everyone knew it, but to think that I would take his life is utterly
2: absurd. Yeah. Where were you about four this morning, Mr. Marchand?
6: Well, I, uh, I was in bed, asleep.
2: Everybody sure had a dull evening. How well do you know Gerald Winters, René's partner? No, oh, just slightly. How about Lillian Richmond? By reputation only. Uh, one more question. When's your fall showing, Mr. Marchand? In two days. Well, be sure to be around for it. The police get very unhappy if a murder suspect catches the first plane for the border.
6: Murder suspect.
2: See you later, Mr. Marshall. I left Marshall counting his pulse and wondering just how much I didn't know. And if he could have seen what was going on in my little old mind, he might have grown a few white hairs. I grabbed a cab and headed for the 5th Precinct Police Station and Walt Levinson. Needless to say, he was not happy. Oh, now, you wait a minute, Diamond. I'm satisfied with Gerald Winters. He's the only one who had a motive. The only one who had a motive that you can see. Too many things point to someone else. Give me a for instance. Oh, you always want a for instance. Well, hang it! You're trying to convince me that Winters isn't the killer, aren't you? Yes, I am. All. Then I want a for instance. I want to know your reason. Well, Winters and Renee hated each other. Even as partners, they really wanted each other out of the way. You crazy! You just gave me the best reason for hanging on to Winters. Walt, when Renee was killed, he was ten miles away from his apartment, going in the other direction. So what? Did you find out if he knew anyone who might live out that way? Even if he didn't know anyone out that way, I still say so. What? The killer went for a drive with him, got out there, hit him over the head, poured gasoline on the seat, and dropped a cigarette. Pushed him off the viaduct. And winter smokes. I know. I sent a whole carton down to a cell to make sure. You're right about how the killer did it. But do you think Rene would have taken a drive like that with a man he hated, knowing how much a man hated him? Huh? And another thing. It was pretty warm yesterday and last night, wasn't it? It certainly was. Lousy weather. Okay. The killer wore gloves. Isn't that a little strange on a warm night? So, he slipped on some gloves. Didn't want to leave any fingerprints. No, no, no. The killer was driving. The report said there were absolutely no fingerprints on the steering wheel. If Rene was in the driver's seat, there would have been a few of his anyway. We couldn't tell whether he was in the driver's seat. He could have been thrown aside when the car crashed. But I don't get this glove angle. You want to catch a killer? Uh, What kind of a remark is that? Well, come on. Uh, Where are we going? Down to Rene's shop. We can get in through a window I noticed in the alley. There are some designs in his safe, and Walt, the killer has to get them out tonight.
7: Yeah, Lieutenant, it's Jimmy. Rick, I don't like this busting into a place without a warrant. Oh, go on, climb in and watch out for the burglar alarm. All right, come on, Otis. Okay. okay. Here, I'll give you a hand, Diamond. Oh, well, that ought to be easy for you, Otis. Yeah, why? Well, you could hold on with the
2: other four and still have one left over to grab me. Oh, is that so? You two lay off. Come on, Rick. Show me where to go. Right over here, in Renee's office. What makes you think the killer hasn't already stolen the plans? I wouldn't have done it the night of the murder. That would have shown a motive. Wouldn't have done it today. Too many people in the shop. Oh. Go on in. Mm, gee.
7: Spooky. I can't see a thing. Walt, what's this. Boo. <laughs> off a of paid sake, shop. Lay off, this Diamond, and where do we hide? Just sit
2: on anywhere and be quiet. The first person through that door is our killer.
7: Clock is gonna drive me crazy. You want me to shut it off? How do you shut off a clock, stupid?
6: Busted.
7: Oh.
2: Rick. Yeah. I still don't understand why that glove angle is so important. Well, as a single item, it's not so important. But along with the rest, it was the first thing that gave me an idea of the killer. <laughs> yeah?
7: I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> I did. Oh.
4: Rick, it's three o'clock. I
2: don't think your killer's gonna show.
7: Yeah. I'm getting stiff.
2: Hold it, Walt. Hmm? I think we have a customer. Otis, get yeah. up and stand next to that light switch. Flip it on when I tell you. Yeah, right.
5: Okay,
2: Otis. Oh, hello, Lillian.
5: Oh, you startled me. What's this all about? What are you doing here?
2: Waiting for you.
5: For me? I, I, I don't understand. I was just coming over to, to pick up some of my sketches. I forgot them this afternoon. So
2: you waited until three in the morning? I had a date. Yeah. Otis, go out and drag in her date.
5: Now, you wait just a minute. I don't know what this is all about. Would go you ahead, know, Otis. Right to, all right. Mr. Diamond, would you mind telling me what this is all about?
2: Sure, lover. Point by point, it goes something like this. Rene Benet was killed by somebody he knew and trusted. He never would have gone for that riot otherwise. Benet didn't smoke, so the killer was an amateur and started the fire with a cigarette. The killer wore gloves, and it was too hot that night for a man to wear them without looking suspicious.
5: Are you saying that you think did I... Did you
2: kill René? You... Sure you did. Come
5: on, you, you get in there. take your dirty hands off of a... me. Yeah, here he is,
6: Lieutenant. This is the guy in the car. Lil, what is this all about?
5: You better ask Mr. Diamond, although I don't think he'll make much sense. He just accused me of killing René. What?
2: Good morning, Mr. marjon I thought you didn't know, Lillian. uh, Well,
6: uh, prior to this evening, I did not. I I called her because I I wanted to talk to her about René's death.
2: Ah, you're lying. Today at your shop, you called me Mr. Diamond. How did you know my name?
6: Well, uh, you told it to me.
2: No, 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 no. You're fibbing again. I just said I was from the police. Only one person who knew both of us could have called you, and she also knew I was on the way over to your shop. Didn't you, Lil?
5: The name is Miss Richmond. Now prove that I killed Renee. you You've got no motive.
2: Well, the designs are enough to start with. You probably suspected I wasn't a hat designer. And you knew you had to work fast if you were going to get those designs to Marchand here before this fall showing.
6: That's not true. Lilia never gave me any designs from René.
2: You know, of course, Mr. Marchand, that if we stick your girlfriend with a murder wrap, you're an accessory before and after the fact.
6: Mm, what?
2: Sure, maybe you'll, uh... Maybe you'll get to sit in a nice electric glove seat and hold hands.
6: Oh, but I had
2: nothing to do with the murder. Well, you knew about it, and you knew who did it. That's enough to put you away for 20 years. Being mixed up in the actual motive might get you alive. No, 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 no. She was the
6: one that did it. She knew Winters would be blamed for it. Yes. Yes, she stole the designs for me because she wanted to ruin Benet and take over his salon, but I did not know
5: she was going to kill him. Why, you... Dirty little man. You did know it. You did know it. You helped me plan it if I got the best sketches for you. I'll Grab tear you Get that away from me.
2: Come on, lady. Let's go. Okay, haul them both out of the car. Rick, I don't know how. Rick. Oh, no.
6: Rick. Oh, why does he always disappear like that?
2: What's a new thing, kind of pretty. Don't cry, Joe.
3: Well, sing it. All right,
2: but, uh, but you know that gripey neighbor in the other apartment building?
3: Oh, don't pay any attention to him. You don't hear any of the other tenants yelling for you to shut up.
2: Well, maybe they're not as forceful as the grouch. (laughs) You see, honey, I, uh, I got a couple of letters. Letters? Mm Mm-hmm, from the people in that building. Most of them like the singing, but a couple feel the same way the grouch does.
3: Well, there's only one way to find out what all the people in the building think. How's that? Open the window and sing so they can all hear you.
2: Uh, okay, I'll buy it. You open the window. Don't you think maybe this is silly?
3: Rick, I like you to sing when you come over here, but I don't want you to do it if no one else does. Now, go ahead.
8: Okay. Don't cry. Let her go
2: Don't cry Joe Let her go Let her go Let her go You've got to realize this is the wind up You'll feel much better once you make your mind up Go Joe,
8: let her go. Let her go. Let her go.
3: No reaction yet. Maybe they all took poison.
2: Well, give them time. We'll find out soon enough.
3: <laughs> I guess so. Uh,
2: come on, let's go to the kitchen and case the icebox. <laughs>
1: have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, High Aberback, Kay Brinker, Clark Gordon, and Jane Novello. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by Richard Sandville. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Saturday night brings you some of the week's best radio entertainment when you tune for the stars on NBC. Stay tuned to NBC every Saturday evening for a great lineup of programs, including Hollywood Star Theater, Ralph Edwards' Truth or Consequences, your hit parade, A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, The Judy Canova Show, and Grand Ole Opry. All the best on NBC. Stay tuned for Irene Dunn and Hollywood Star Theater on NBC.
0: At checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001stories at BritBox.com. Try it, you'll like it.
1: Richard Diamond, private detective.
2: Diamond Detective Agency surplus homicide, surplus hand grenades, black market embalming. Oh, Oh, Helen, what's with you?
3: It's what's with you I'm worried about. What do you
2: mean, what's with me? You
3: know what's with you. Now,
2: you stop that. That's my routine.
3: I want that which you pilfered from the living room the other night, and I want it back, and I want it right away.
2: Oh, but Helen, baby... Don't
3: you baby me. Now, you get it down here.
2: But I can't leave the office. I just got in. I haven't even washed out one sock.
3: Rick, it wasn't fair when you stole that picture, and I've been embarrassed about it ever since. Now, I want it back.
2: Oh, but, honey, don't be that way. It b- 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 looks lovely.
3: Can you see it? Well, sure.
2: Got it right on my desk.
3: Now, Rick, I won't have it.
2: Now, look. If anybody asks about it, I- I'll say it's me.
3: You never were a baby. You started with a beard and a low whistle.
2: Honey, honey, I had a baby picture just like it once, and believe me. From the way you're facing in the picture, you couldn't tell the difference between us.
3: I'm lying on a rug. You probably had yours taken on spikes. Now, you bring that right over, or I'll tell everybody your middle name. Helen. I'll see you in 20 minutes, or I'll take a full-page ad in the Times. You wouldn't. 20 minutes with the picture. Bye.
2: Helen. Oh, dandy.
3: Mr. Diamond?
2: Ah, uh, yes, but I'm afraid you'll have to come back. I, I've got to take care of something that might mean my whole future as a private oh. detective.
9: Well, I'm sorry. I won't keep you, but... Well, could you tell me the name of another good detective?
2: Uh, there aren't any. Goodbye.
9: Oh, please. I don't know where to go.
2: Oh, now, well, wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. Something's really wrong, isn't it?
9: Well, I... It's all right, Mr. Diamond. You go on. I'll, I'll find someone.
2: Ah, uh, look, I, I really didn't know you were in a tough spot. I, I've got enough time to listen.
9: Oh, thank you.
2: Who recommended me?
9: My son. Oh, I've heard about you for several years. My name's Kirby, Mrs. Lenora Kirby. How
2: do you do, Mrs. Kirby? Just how did your son know me?
9: Well, he didn't know you well, only by reputation. Mm. He was a private detective also.
2: Kirby? Bill Kirby? Yes. Wow. Um, Now, tell me what's worrying you, Mrs. Kirby.
9: Well, I, I don't know quite where to start. William... Bill... He's been acting strangely for the last month or so.
2: What exactly do you mean by strangely?
9: Well, he's changed. He's begun to act nervous and irritable. When his sister or I would try to find out what was wrong, he'd get angry. He got steadily worse. And then one morning, Gloria. Gloria? Uh, my daughter, Bill's sister. Oh, go ahead. Well, she went into his room. He was asleep, so she started to hang up his trousers. When she turned them upside down, a lot of money dropped on the floor.
2: Oh? Well, what do you mean, a lot of money?
9: Well, Gloria said there must have been several thousand dollars, mostly hundred-dollar bills.
2: Did he have another source of income? I mean, besides the private detective business?
9: Oh, no, no. least hmm. nothing I know of.
2: Mm-hmm.
9: We're not wealthy, Mr. Diamond. Bill supports us with what he makes, and Gloria works as a secretary in a law firm, and... I try to keep my house in order. Of course, I haven't been terribly well since the children's father died ten years ago.
2: I see. Then what happened?
9: Well, Gloria started to put the money back in Bill's trousers. And he woke up. They had a terrible argument. Bill accused her of snooping and she accused him of doing something illegal. The next day, Bill packed his clothes and left the house... He took a small apartment on 110th Street.
2: Uh-huh. Now, uh, uh, what is it you want me to do?
9: Oh, well, there's more to the story. Bill continued to send me money to keep the house going, much more than he'd ever contributed before. I went over to his apartment several times and asked him about the money, and every time there'd be an argument.
2: Did he give you any kind of an excuse? No, he...
9: Said he'd run into a good thing and that as long as it was helping out with the house, I shouldn't ask any questions.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then what happened? Well,
9: three days ago, Bill came over to the house. I could tell he was terribly worried about something. He gave me a package, told me to hide it until he came for it and not to open it. Then he disappeared. He didn't go to his office or his apartment. And I haven't heard from him since.
2: Did you call the police?
9: Well, I didn't want to. He's mixed up in something. Oh, Mr. Duck, I'm sure something's happened to my boy. I just know it has.
2: Look, uh, uh, Mrs. Kirby, I admit it sounds a little fishy, but you never can tell. Maybe it's a a a girl. Could be a lot of things. Uh, Where do you live?
9: 984 Amsterdam Avenue. Oh, thank you. Uh,
2: now, you go on home. Take it easy. I'll let you know if anything turns out.
9: All right. I'm sorry I don't usually cry like this. Oh, Mr. Diamond, about your fee. Mrs. Kirby. Yes? Do you cook? Why, uh, yes. I'm considered quite a good cook.
2: Well, if I do anything for your son, I'm a sucker for corned beef and cabbage. Now, go on home, and I'll keep in touch with you.
9: Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. And God bless you.
2: I'm afraid he knows me too well. Goodbye, Mrs. Kirby. Funny how you can run into a situation like that. Any other time, it's got to be a hundred a day in expenses. But that's because trouble doesn't usually bother me. There's too much of it around and everybody's a stockholder. Then the little old lady walks in with a bucket full of heartache and you realize the hundred a day in expenses is only the difference you carry around to make up for that big cold world outside. I put my merit badge away, grabbed Helen's picture off the desk and headed for 975 Pike Avenue.
3: Well, you're late. I was just going to call the papers, but I wasn't quite sure how you spell your middle name. It's, um, C-H-O... Uh, here's the picture. Thank you.
2: I didn't know you had a mole in your...
3: Rick. Aren't you coming in?
2: No, no, I'm not. a mad. Won't you let me keep your little old baby picture? Now, about that mole... Now,
3: you stop that. Why can't you come in?
2: Well, I got a client right after I talk to you. I got to go down to the 5th Precinct and do some checking.
3: Well, I see you tonight.
2: If you'll tell me about the mole.
3: Now, Rick.
2: See you at eight. Mm, Bye, mole. A Sam, A baby. I left Helen and started down Park Avenue. Every private detective must get a license before he can operate. And the police department has to issue it. So I headed for the 5th Precinct Police Station. When I walked in the squad room, I spotted Sergeant Otis looking like he was headed for the elephant's graveyard. <coughs> What's the matter with you, Otis? You're greener than a new lawn. Oh, hello, Shamus. I don't feel so good. No, as a matter of fact, you don't. A little pudgy around the shoulders. Ah, oh, come on, lay off. I tell you I feel sick. Let's see your tongue. Huh? Oh. Uh. Mm-hmm. Well, how's it look? I don't know. But be careful who you show it to. Somebody's allowed to think it's poisonous and kill it with a stick. Uh. Hello, Walt. Oh, no. Okay, I'm too tired to be scared off today. Who's dead and where? Not today, Walt. And what are you so tired about? Uh, we had a killing this morning. I've questioned every suspect in the whole state. Nothing. Who got dead? Maybe you knew him. Shamus. Uh, Kirby. What? Hey, how the devil did you know that? Just a guess. Guess my thirty-eight. You know something? I don't know anything, Walt. Kirby's mother was just in my office.
7: Oh. Yeah. Oh.
2: Well, you don't have to get sore. I'm not sore. Just wondering who's going to tell Mrs. Kirby. Otis went over there a little while ago. He saw the sister. The mother wasn't home yet. Oh, that's why he looks so bad. Yeah, I guess so. Wouldn't you? Okay. Where's the body? Downstairs. You want to take a look? Not especially. I told his mother I'd do something for him, and right now I don't seem to be able to think of a thing. Get the killer. Help me. Okay, let's go down and take a look. (laughs) Four slugs in him first, though. What kind of a gun? 12-gauge shotgun. Used a deer load. Anything on him? Just the usual identification. Okay, let's put him back. I don't know why he got knocked off. No motive, no nothing. The mother has quite a story. Yeah? She told me her son... Hey, the... down.
6: Down.
2: Oh, no. Yeah? And here comes malicious.
6: Hey,
7: we just got a call. Kirby's mother and sister just got beat up. Something awful. What? Come on, Walt. Well, this is crazy. First the son gets it for no apparent reason, then the rest of the family
2: get beat up. I think I can tell you why the mother and sister got beat up. Yeah, why? Probably the package Kirby left with his mother. What package? I'll tell you about it on the way over to the car.
1: Okay, Otis, okay.
2: Come on, step on it. Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, this time you can use the sire.
1: Oh, boy.
2: Mrs. Kirby, the doctor tells us you won't allow them to take you to the hospital.
9: No, I'm not leaving my house. It'll take more than two cheap hoodlums to drive me out of my house.
2: Well, the doctor says you'll be all right, but I think the hospital might be safer for a few days. This is Lieutenant Levinson, Mrs. Kirby.
9: How do you do, Lieutenant? How
2: do you do? I know you don't feel much like talking. Oh,
9: no, that's quite all right. I'll be glad to help in any way that I can.
2: Were they after the package your son left with you?
9: Yes, but I didn't give it to them. I almost did, when they started to hit Gloria. But I knew they had something to do with Bill's death.
2: And you knew the package was important, too? Yes. Well, where is the package, Mrs. Kirby?
9: In the bread box, in a bread
6: wrapper.
2: Very cute. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant? Go in the kitchen and bring me the loaf of bread in the bread box.
6: Uh, you want some sardines, too?
2: Otis, just the bread, please.
6: Oh, OK.
2: Mrs. Kirby, the two men who came here, do you think you could identify them?
9: Oh, yes. It would be hard to forget them.
2: You're sure you don't have any idea what kind of trouble your son was in?
7: No. Uh, here's the bread, Lieutenant.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll be... Hey, it's a shoe. Is this one of your son's shoes, Mrs. Kirby?
9: No, no. He wears a much smaller size. No, that isn't his shoe.
2: I don't get this. Nothing in it, just a shoe. A big one. What size is it? Uh, hey, what's the matter? Well, the uh, shoe size on the inside, it says 6B and then five numbers after it. Well, if that's a 6B, Otis wears matchboxes. Oh, yeah. Otis. Oh, okay.
9: I don't understand. Why would Bill leave a shoe and act like it was so important?
2: Because it probably was very important. Uh, you think these numbers could be? Let's see. Well, if these numbers do mean anything, it sure isn't gonna be easy finding out. Here's something, Walt. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Shoe's got new heels on it. It's been half sold. Otis. Yeah, I'll turn. Take the shoe down at the station. Give it to the lab. See what they can find out. And then get the boys out and check every shoe repair shop in the city. I want to know where the shoe was half sold. Okay. Mrs. Kirby, you're sure you can't think of a thing that might give us a tip about your son.
9: No, nothing, Mr. Nyman.
2: Rick. I'm going down to the station, find out about that shoe. And then I'll send our rogues gallery over so Mrs. Kirby can try and pick out the two guys who worked her over. Oh, uh, check with me if you find out anything, will you? Right, Walt.
9: <clears throat> Mr. Diamond, there's no reason for you to go on with this case. My son's dead. You can't help him now. I'm sure your business is very important.
2: It's Mrs. Kirby, I said I'd do something for your son. Well, I was a little late. Now I'm gonna do something for me. There's a killer loose, and two slobs who beat up women. I'm a little unhappy, Mrs. Kirby, so I've got to square this beef the only way I know how. First, I'd like to talk to your daughter. It's tough, and I don't like to stick my big nose in when it is. But you want something done about it, don't you? Yes. Then think real hard. Can you tell me anything about your brother that might be connected with his death?
8: No. No, Mr. Diamond. I've thought and thought and thought, and I, I just can't understand this.
2: Well, you may have been looking for the wrong thing, a reason or a motive. That's not what I want.
5: What do you want?
2: Something you might not even realize. Something that might not seem important, but is very important. I try to think. When you first began to suspect that your brother was in trouble, did he mention any names, talk about any places?
8: No. Not that I can remember.
2: What did he do when he wasn't at his office? Oh,
8: please. Please, I don't know. I just don't know. Okay,
2: okay. I'm sorry.
8: Oh, I'm sorry. Mom and I appreciate what you're doing, Mr. Diamond. Right now, it's hard for me, but I'll try.
2: Okay. No places. No names. Did he have a girl?
3: No, he didn't have a girl. He led a fairly simple life. Had a regular routine. Routine? Mm-hmm. Mom used to worry about it sometimes. Said he didn't have enough fun. Didn't know anybody.
2: What kind of a routine was this?
3: Well, the usual thing around the house in the morning. He'd go to work. On his way home, he always stopped at a bar on Columbus Avenue for a beer. Then home. Dinner. Read and until- or 11, go to bed.
7: Nothing
2: else?
3: No, he did that every day. At least up until the time when he started acting funny and I found all that money.
2: I see. Well, thanks. I'll let you know if anything turns up, Gloria.
3: Thank you, Mr. Diamond.
8: I hope you...
2: Yeah. (laughs) I left the Kirby house and walked out on the street... It was getting near 6 o'clock and a light breeze was blowing the night in. It was turning cold, so I flipped my collar up and started for Columbus Avenue in the bar that Bill Kirby used to stop in for a beer. I turned on 88th Street, picked up speed to shake the chill out of my ankles. Hey, you. Yeah? You diamond. So what? So where's this shoe? Oh, you're going to find it harder working me over than a couple of women. Working you over, maybe,
7: yeah. Killing you? Everybody dies easy. Give me the shoe. Where's your friend? Move in this alley. I'll give you an introduction. I'm busy. You're gonna be busy getting dead if you don't get in the alley. I got my gun in my pocket. I bet you shrink four feet when you aren't carrying it. What? Okay. Did you get him? Yeah, but it don't look like he's got the shoe on him.
2: Yeah, but he knows where it is. Tell me, boys, is it fun beating up women? Yeah. <laughs> More fun beating up
7: those shoes. Ain't it, Danny? Sure. You want to tell us where the shoe is, Seamus? Right now, it should be in the police lab.
2: Hey, Danny, you think this cop's really took it out of
7: the house? I don't know. I couldn't see. Diamond, I still think the old dame gave it to you when she went up to see you at your office this morning.
2: What did you kill her son for? Who said
7: I killed him, friend? Kirby got smart about the shoe like you did. He got dead for his trouble. How do you feel about your future, friend?
2: Pretty good. The cops will figure that shoe out.
7: Not unless they know what they're looking for. He ain't got the shoe on him, Bart. I think he's telling the truth. Let's go tell the boss. Yeah,
2: what do we do with the gum shoot?
7: Oh, I'm surprised at you, Bart. Give me your sap. Hey, now mm-hmm. wait a minute. For what?
8: <coughs>
7: <coughs> okay. You gonna knock him off? I get a salary for killing. The boss ain't paying me to knock this guy off. I want to save him in case he thinks I should later on. Let's go.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: It isn't easy coming out of a fast beating. When the guy works, you're over slow. You don't go to sleep right away. Not until he wants you to anyway. Then he taps you with a good one and that's it. When he does it in a hurry, the first one's enough to stun a dragon. But for some reason, he decides you need a few more. And friend, that's when coma sets in. When I finally pull myself out of it... My watch said seven o'clock and my head felt like a balloon with rice in it. I finally came around to a reasonable way of thinking and headed for the bar on Columbus Avenue.
6: Yes, sir? What Holy Ike.
2: Give me anything with nerves in it and tell me where your phone is. Sure. You're a mess. Yeah, I know. Been advertising a popular cigarette. And stepping out of thousands of store windows all over the country. Now, where's your phone? Right over there, at the end of the bar. Hey, he wondered as you put some plasma in this drink. Oh, that was a gem dandy. <laughs> Lieutenant Levinson, homicide. Walt, Rick. Rick, where the W. Ben? Playing patty-cake with the two gonifs who worked over Mrs. Kirby and her daughter. Well, we've been trying to get you. Otis been calling blondes all over town. Mrs. Kirby and her daughter identify the two hoods. First name's Bart and Danny? Yeah, Bart Franchetti and Danny Miller. We have a pickup out on them now. They hurt you bad? Oh, I'll make it, but I'm going to ache for a while. What did you find out about the shoe? Well, we really got some fast action on those half-soles. Figured if Kirby picked them up in a shoe repair shop, it must have been somewhere in his neighborhood. We were lucky. We were right little shoe shop on Columbus Avenue Columbus Avenue what address 695 why because I'm in a bar right across the way huh can't see the shoe store now because it's too dark but Kirby's sister told me he used to come in here for dinner he could have watched it then well, stay there I'll be right over here you are Mr thanks uh, say uh did you know Bill Kirby the shopmers oh sure. What do you mean, did I know him? He's pretty dead. Oh, no. He came in here every day, didn't he?
6: Yeah, yeah, for a beer. Uh, But come to think of it, I ain't seen him since he left... Uh,
2: Left you what? Uh, uh, nothing, nothing at all. Now, wait a minute. If Kirby left you anything, let's have it.
6: Uh Uh-uh. If Kirby's dead, I'll turn
2: it over to the cops. You want the badge? Oh, well, okay. Why didn't you say so? I got in the cash register. He told me if anything happened to him to turn it over to the law. (laughs)
7: Okay,
2: here, just an envelope. Thanks. Uh, what is it? A mm, name and address. Ah, uh, look. Uh, Lieutenant Levens will be here in a few minutes. Tell him I've gone to this address, 18 North River.
6: Well, that's down near the docks.
2: Yeah, and tell him I've gone to find a guy named uh, James Willis. <laughs> Honey, is Mr. Willis in?
9: Yes. But the emergency hospital's on the second floor.
2: I always go around this way and makes people notice me. Which is Mr. Willis's office, dear?
9: Right over there, but I'm afraid you can't...
2: Here's the badge, baby. Mm. And don't ring him.
9: Yes, sir.
2: Yes, wh- Well, 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 well. James Willis. When did you change your name from Koslick? Now, look, Diamond... I've got a good job here. I never could have gotten it if the company had known I was James Koslick and I'd done time. In the shipping business, huh? What's an old-time safecracker like you doing in the shipping business? You're not a cop anymore, Diamond. You helped put me away once, but I've quit the rackets. And I'm doing fine in a legit way. Now you can leave. What does your company ship? We're in export and import firm. We ship and receive everything. Now get out. What does your company import that might interest two professional thugs like Bart and Danny? What? I don't know what you mean. Where do you have your shoes fixed? little place on Columbus Avenue, Mister. I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't intend to sit here and listen to you and your riddles. Miss Williams, will you please have one of the watchmen sent in to show Mr. Diamond out?
8: Yes, sir,
9: but two gentlemen wish to see you. They say it's very important. Well, I
2: can't see anyone.
9: Well, I think maybe you better. They seem very definite. Miss Williams, I don't... Talk... What's the matter, Mr.
8: Willis? Diamond, let go my hair.
2: Tell her to show the gentleman in, or I'll make Sitting Bull look like a piker. Go on. Send the two gentlemen in, Miss Williams. Okay. Oh. I'm going over here behind the door. You be a good boy. You nearly pulled all my hair out. Well, what's the difference? The way things look, the state might have to shave your head anyway.
7: Hey, Willis, we want to talk to you. Well, what's the matter? You sore because we came up here? Yeah, what's with that guy? He just sits there holding his head. Good evening, boys. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, look who's here. Yeah, it's the shamus. And he looked pretty. You fools, you two blundering fools. Now, wait a minute. If you're worried about diamond, we'll take care of it. I told you
2: I could never be seen with you. You know how we've all watched when the gold shipments come in? Oh, oh, that's it. That's what the shoe was all about.
9: Yeah, you smart one. Shut
2: up. I've got to think. You got the confidential shipping report and put it in that shoe in some kind of code so it could be picked up. Then your dear little boys, were are going to try to hijack the gold. Well, 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 well. I mean to shut him up? No, no, are you crazy? That secretary saw him come in. Take him out the same way. I'm going to be stubborn. Yeah? Oh, okay. Isn't it silly what a little 38 can do? Let's go. All right, but well, look, as long as I'm probably going to end up in the river, would you mind telling me one thing? Yes, I do. No, that's swell. That's really swell. Kirby recognized you going into that shoe store. He remembered you had a record, so he probably tailed you. Found out where you worked and went back to take a look at that shoe. He found the same thing wrong that I did. The numbers weren't his shoe size, and he probably thought it was crazy when you left only one shoe. So he took the shoe. You always were a pretty smart cop, Diamond. Danny. Yeah, boss. Before you kill the smart cop, pull his hair out. Pull his hair out? By the roots. Now take him out of here. Was Kirby blackmailing you, Ellis? Yes. Being stupid, he didn't know what the shoe was for, but he knew it was worth something.
7: Now, please, Danny, get Mr. I.Q. through that door. Move. Okay.
2: Yeah, what's funny, Seamus? You boys are in for a
7: big surprise. Oh, Mr. Willis must be free. Here they come now. Just keep walking, Seamus. Nothing,
2: nothing's wrong. Oh, are you gentlemen through, Mr. Willis? Yeah, that's the gun, in. He'll see you. Uh, thank you. Let's go, Seamus. Oh, uh, one more thing. Yeah, now what? Duck, Rick. Thanks, Walt. Uh, and you take it easy, Bart. I ain't going from the gun. I ain't doing nothing. Please, don't shoot. Walt, James Willis is really James Koslick. I'm going in after him. Well, here, cat, You'll need a gun.
6: Is he in there?
2: Out the window. I went over to the window fast and spotted my man just dropping down off the fire escape. The building fronted on a long dock, and Willis had 50 yards to go before he could find cover. Then I said that stupid thing. Willis! In the name of the law! Stop! Well, he didn't stop in the name of the law, so I rested my arm on the windowsill and led him about two feet. At 50 yards, a running man can be hard to hit with a 38. Sometimes. You get him, Rick? Yeah. See you down at the station. How do you like it, Rick? Uh, no cream, 12 lumps. All right. Say I had a phone call from the president of Continental Shipping where that Willis guy worked. <coughs> What do you make this coffee out of, gunpowder? He says there's always been a standing reward of $1,000 for the apprehension of any person attempting to rob their shipment. Uh Uh-huh.
7: Uh, hey, Diamond, Miss Asher phone. She wants you should call.
2: Thanks, Otis.
7: Thanks? What's wrong with you?
2: You heard him, Otis. He said thanks.
7: Okay. He must be sick.
2: More coffee, Rick? Yeah, I'll have another cup. Hello? Hi, honey.
3: Rick. Where are you? I thought you were coming over.
2: Well, baby, I've uh, I've got to stop by and see a nice old lady named Kirby. Her son got killed.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Will I see you later?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so, honey. I'm, I'm a little tired.
3: All right,
2: Rick. Well, don't sound too unhappy. I'll see you tomorrow night.
3: Well, all right. But you always sing to me, and I wanted you to sing tonight.
2: Well, I haven't gotten any letters from the apartment building next door yet, so I'm going to lay off one week and see if the tenants miss the singing.
3: All right, Rick. I'll see
2: you tomorrow night. Goodbye, baby. Bye, Rick. Well, I think I'd better get over to Mrs. Kirby's, Walt. Don't you want your coffee? Yeah, give it to Otis. What are you going to tell Mrs. Kirby? I mean about her son and the blackmail. Well, what are you going to tell Continental Shipping? Well, you caught him. You get the thousand. Oh, Mrs. Kirby's pretty broke. Uh Uh-huh. Kirby was the one who really spotted the play. Yeah, but if I say anything about the blackmail... What blackmail? Huh? Oh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, come to think of it, that was another case, wasn't it? Uh, see you later, Walt. Uh, Rick. Yeah? Oh, nothing. Be a good boy.
1: have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Stephen Dunn, Peggy Weber, and William Johnstone. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by Richard Sandville. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Saturday night brings some of the week's best radio entertainment when you tune for the stars on NBC. Stay tuned every Saturday for a great lineup of programs, including Hollywood Star Theater, Ralph Edwards' Truth or Consequences, your hit parade, A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, the Judy Canova Show, and Grand Ole Opry. All the best on NBC.
0: That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.